nobody had a bigger ego than Denny. The thing is, though, is he was right. And all the things that Denny did, uh, the people he brought in, there wasn't a lot of room for guys who didn't want to fit the program and didn't want to uh, do what Denny you know, wanted to do. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network, coming to you from TCO Studios in Egan. Excited about tonight's show because we're going to have Vikings Radio Network analyst Pete Bursich join us in a little bit to talk to us about former Vikings head coach Dennis Green, who's going to go into the Vikings Ring of Honor on Sunday at halftime of the Vikings and the Bills game. Coach Green is going to be the 24th member of that vaunted Vikings Ring of Honor. Now, Dennis Green, a historical figure, not just for the Vikings, but also for the NFL. He was the third black head coach in the National Football League, the second one in the modern era. He's also credited with initiating a very popular, well-known, and still-running NFL tradition called Community Tuesday. So Dennis Green, a very influential person on and off the field at a local and national level. The fifth head coach in Vikings history. He was named to the post in 1992. He was here for 10 seasons, and in those 10 seasons, he coached 171 games, guided the Vikings to eight playoff appearances, four division titles, two NFC Championship games. He goes down as the second winningest head coach in Vikings history behind only Hall of Famer Bud Grant. Of course, Coach Green's 1998 Vikings had the highest scoring offense in NFL history at the time. So uh, Dennis Green, a very influential member of the Minnesota Vikings and has a well-earned place now in the Vikings ring of honor that will become official at halftime of Sunday's game. So Pete Bursich played for Dennis Green. He was recruited by Dennis Green. Um, did not play for Dennis Green in college, but then Denny got him. He drafted him. We're going to get into all of that and more as we discuss the career and the legend of Denny Green with Vikings Radio Network analyst Pete Bursich. Here's our conversation with Pete. All right, Pete. So when you hear Dennis Green, <laughs> what do you think about? Oh, my God. I mean, I think the first thing that comes uh, to your mind are just some of the some of his sayings, some of the things that you heard from him a number of times about, you know, we march all night and fight all day and, uh-huh. you know, things like that. He had, there were a number of themes that, uh, that he would bring up consistently. And those are the same things that, that I bring it, bring up, uh, to my guys, my, my, you know, my, my players over at Hill Murray and, um, you know, you look at Denny and his legacy, he's, he's touched a lot of coaches that are still in the NFL. Yeah. A lot of former players that, uh, eventually became coaches in the NFL. And, you know, we, we, you know, we all borrowed many things from him, but I, you know, I'm unique. It's been unique for me in that I knew Denny when I was 18 as he, he was at Stanford at the time and recruited me. Wow. And so he and uh, coach Forrester of all people came out and visited in my house and, you know, my you know, just had to deal with my dog. We had a big Rottweiler at the time, and uh, yeah, so he came. You know, he came out. I back then you had to be accepted to Stanford before you could visit. Um, so I went through that and visited out there. Chris Walsh was my host. Wow, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you know, you you look back and you think about decisions that you made, and you know, California was just was just too far away. I took the visit. I remember half their weight room was outside under a tent. Jeepers. And to me, yeah. growing up in Chicago, I was thinking, this is crazy. How do you work out outside all year round? And number of things. And 
Notre Dame was just a better fit for me, I think. And, um, you know, it, it's it's amazing how when I was drafted and, <clears throat> you know, Denny Green was, was, was obviously the coach at the time. And he's like, oh, I didn't get you – in college four years ago and i got you now so right. I mean, and, he, and he said that many times he said the same thing i think to robert smith when robert was drafted so uh yeah the, i mean there's just so many of those little memories that pop into your head you know i remember you saying during the preseason uh broadcast the simulcast you, you know paul asked you for that fourth preseason game you know did you ever go through a season a preseason where you were afraid you were going to get cut after this game <laughs> <laughs> and you and you say, yeah, every year, every game, every yeah. year. So, like, what what was that like with Denny? You know, <clears> practicing <throat> for him every day in the preseason, wondering if you're going to get cut. You know, he had this joking relationship with you, where it's like you still right. felt like I, I could get cut any well, year. Well, yeah, you never. I mean, you never got that. Um, you never got that from a coach. Period. Was you know what the uh, you know it's okay. Go ahead and you know find a place to live or settle in or you know you you never you know you never really uh, had that security. So, uh, you know, for us, the way, the way Denny just ran his program, it was there were a few things that, that were tolerable and a few things that weren't. I mean, being on time, let's say, for example, was a big thing of his. And, uh, you know, he would always say, and you can ask any Yoda you played for him. He's like, I won't find you, but I will cut you. Yeah. And believe it or not, yeah, he, he did cut guys that uh, you know that just didn't make it a priority to show up on time um, you know those kinds of things so every time you had a meeting or whatever you always you know, yeah. always you know set two alarm clocks and you know did those things to make sure that you were on time because it was that important and you know you just didn't want to you didn't want to give the coaches or the front office or whomever any reason to cut you other than your performance um, and then the performance week in and week out, it was, you know, there was always draft picks. There were always people that you, you know, that you were fighting with to get on the field and, um, being on the field was the main thing. Yeah. You know, you, you didn't want the other guy to get more snaps or anything like that. So, uh, a little different, a little different time back then, uh, I think, but, um, but in a lot of ways, exactly the same. That yeah. security is just never there. I believe there was a line when Denny was hired about, "Hey, there's a new sheriff in town, boys." You know, and that, and so he kind of had a nickname of the sheriff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you listen to some some guys like Randy Moss as an example, he'll talk about how Denny really knew how to speak to me. So he had this persona of the new sheriff in town, and look right. out, I'm going to cut you. Right. But he also had this reputation of being like a player's coach. And, right? and I think yeah, and that carried over quite a bit. Is is when I was here and when I first got here, what kind of amazed me were when people would ask me, you know, what do you, you know, how do you like playing for Denny? And I'd, I'd say, I love it. We love it. We love, you know, we love playing for him. And they would just kind of look at you funny because I think what they, from what they had known and what they had heard, you know, Denny was never uh, a friend of the media, so to speak. And they just were surprised to that, that the players loved them, you know, and by players coach, I think that, entails a few things i mean when we were we'd be in camp and there was supposed to be some type of uh, required meetings and things like that i remember we had one one time and the person who was supposed to speak showed up was late and we waited four or five minutes and then he said well if they're not here we're moving on yeah. so he respected our time meetings were never super long and he was the same way with his coaches he didn't really i don't think want them there past 10 o'clock at night he would always say you know, you don't make any good decisions after 10 o'clock at night. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> he was impressed by the work that you did, not necessarily how long it took you to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, too, is he took very good care to make sure that you that you felt well, that you, you felt fresh. I mean, we didn't wear pads all the time. And pads were kind of a punishment. 
<clears throat> so if we lost a yeah. game, we'd be in full pads Wednesday, shells on Thursday. And But if we won, then we wouldn't have the pads on. So wow. I think for us, uh, the motivation to win <laughs> was there because yeah. then Wednesday wasn't, as, you know, as much of a meat grinder. And, you know, even guys like Chuck Knox Sr., a uh, longtime coach, who would say, you know, there are two kinds of players. You know, you have guys that have to follow rules and guys that have to follow guidelines. And if you don't know which which pile you're in, you just come see me and I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> and But Denny did, you know, he did know how to, number one, identify people that would fit and that could fit mm-hmm. uh, and then handle those egos and attitudes and uh, not let those things get out of control. And that's where I go back to the new sheriff in town comment was, Nobody had a bigger ego than Denny. And the thing is, though, is he was right. Yeah. And, that, and I go back to coaching even even now or even with the guys in the NFL. And if the what the coach is telling you is going to make you better, there's a bond there, right? And all the things that Denny did, uh, the people he brought in, it's kind of a, you know, somewhat of an eclectic group. I mean, we're from all over the place, all dif- different different areas, different, you know, experiences growing up. But we all got along, and we still all get along. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of room for guys who didn't want to fit the program and didn't want to uh, do what Denny, you know, wanted to do. Yeah, you know, you guys had the 1998 reunion a couple of weeks ago, and obviously because Denny has passed on, he wasn't there. But you got to believe Denny would have loved to have been there, right? To have some absolutely. of you guys back there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was he would <clears throat> he would absolutely want to know how everybody's doing, what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but even you know even the, the the spouses of the players that were who were married when we played they you know they came back and he did create a family atmosphere in an era where that really wasn't emphasized that wasn't a big deal there weren't uh, you know there weren't tons of family events you know yeah. things like that and and you know he he found the right guys I mean whether it's Chuck Evans or Jake Reed or uh, you know a number of, of guys that you would just wouldn't think would fit together. Yeah. And the other thing was offensively, if you you know, you can go back and talk about personnel and drafts and things like that, but he never made a mistake on offense. I mean, you look back at the draft picks that we had at the time, at least the higher ones, uh, even the ones that were considered questionable at the time, he was right. And he also had a way of finding guys like Jeff Christie, who was on a practice squad in Arizona, Dave Dixon, who was on a practice squad wow. uh, in Dallas. Um you know, Brad Johnson, who was a backup quarterback in college, you know, and ended yeah. up being a very good college, you know, very good NFL uh, quarterback. And either that or resurrecting careers and knowing that, you know, guys that still had time left, like Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham. But bringing those guys, those kind of guys in who didn't have the huge attitudes and didn't have the, the you know, those, because those guys can come in and, and bust up a locker room. Those guys can come in and cause a lot of problems if things aren't going the way they want. And he just found the right, you know, the right kind of guys to uh, to fit. Okay, we're up against a break. We will continue our conversation with Pete Bursich after the break. But first, a programming note. Join host Mike Musman along with Latavius Murray at Malone's in Maple Grove on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. For more from our conversation with Pete Bursich, stay tuned. 
Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Skull Stories. I'm your host, Wabi. More from Pete Bursich coming up in a second, but first, experience what it is like to be a Minnesota Viking as you conquer the TCO Vikings 5K. Join us Saturday, October 20th, as you and your friends finish on the 50-yard line at TCO Stadium. Space is limited. Register at vikings.com slash 5K. Also, Saturday, September 22nd, you can join Vikings legends, coaches, and friends at U.S. Bank Stadium as we celebrate the induction of Coach Dennis Green into the Vikings Ring of Honor at the Purple Jacket Ceremony. Tickets at vikings.com slash purple jacket. Speaking of Denny Green, we're going to keep talking about Denny Green with Pete Bursich. You know, coaches always get broken down into different categories. Denny was an offensive guy. Yeah, no question. I mean, okay. he was an offensive guy, and I think he he loved the way Tony Dungy called a game. He loved the way Tony Dungy um, played defense. And so after the two seasons, at least the two seasons I was here with both of them in 94 and 95, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, 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 he liked that style of, of defensive play. And um, – you know, but look at all the head coaches that came that that oh. came out of his under yeah. his umbrella, so to speak, and and went on to win Super Bowls and yeah. went on to do a lot of great things. And you know, for, uh, it, it's it's no question. But Tony Dungy, I think, left a big impression on him defensively as far as how he wanted he wanted the defense to look and how the game was to be played. You know, at the at the intro of the show, we went through some just some of Denny's accolades. <laughs> And I think the one that really stands out to me of all of them, they're all impressive, which is why he's in the Ring of Honor. But especially with the, and you and I see it every week of every season now together, when, when you're calling Vikings games, it is so hard to win. And yeah. Denny's teams went to the playoffs eight out of ten years. Right. To me, and you were part of those teams. So right. that you guys were able to do that to me, that's the most impressive part. I, I agree with you. And the one year I, th- I believe they did make it was the year that Corey died. Yeah. You know, so that was a huge distraction. But um, I look back at my my career and I look at my the success we had in high school, the success I had at Notre Dame, and then you get in the NFL and you play seven seasons and never have a losing season. Yeah, eight and eight was the worst record that we had in '95 when we didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And so you're you're just not you're used to winning, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that was the atmosphere that he created. And um, you know he instilled he instilled all of us with the con- with a with a level of confidence and going back to when we play like we play when we can play. No one can play like us. I mean, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where you you yeah. hear it the first time and you kind of go, "What was that?" And then, uh, <laughs> but he had that whole thing about high performance offense, a high performance team. When you step on the gas pedal, we go. That's what I expect. You know, you step on that pedal and we get, you know, we get going. And uh, we all had that expectation every year that we were going to make the playoffs. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of how well we were going to do and how far we were going to go. Uh, and so I think we just responded to that. You know, yeah. it just you just respond to it's not a question of he, it was never a question for him of were we going to make the playoffs. You know, it wasn't even a question of we we're going to win the division. We're going to do this, this, this and this lay it all out. And uh, we just, you know, responded to it because we didn't, you know, for a lot of us, when you're young, you don't know any differently. Yeah. Um, and when you have that talent amassed that we did, that's, you know, I'd say easy to do, but it was, we did it. It's sort of uh, what you're describing to me is like competitive arrogance, right? Like it's, um, it's, a, it's a mentality 
that it's almost like we're going to do all the work to be good. We're going to put the work in and we're going to be good and we're going to earn it. But almost like before you do that, he was convincing you, you guys that you were you were good. Yeah, no question. And, and, and that, I think that's a that's a very, very good point. It's a, it, There's a fine line between just being arrogant and then being, like what you say, competitively arrogant. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he did instill, he instilled that in all of us. Um, most of the guys that were here were all, all you know, unbelievably competitive, um, high motor kind of guys. I mean, you look at a John Randall, who yeah. again, another guy that they was not even drafted. He was in the Hall of Fame, but the work ethic that he had, you know, you had enough of those guys around that uh, were leaders. They were they were definitely leaders in the locker room, on the field, uh, you know, off the field, all those things, and. Uh, he put those guys in key positions and, yeah. and he just kind of let it happen. I kind of want to pivot to the current Vikings here. And, and the way I'm going to do that is, you know, you mentioned some of the coaches who worked under Denny. I believe one of them was Andre Patterson, right? Who's now on. That is correct. Right. On the Vikings staff right now. Um, what do you appreciate about Andre Patterson and the way <laughs> he works with, with our defensive line? I, you know, I think you look at Andre Patterson. I look at a guy who, when I played, you know, I, I played when he was coaching. That's you know a long time ago. Eight, you know, was it eighteen? I think almost twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, he's just gotten better, and the game has changed a ton just in you know over the last eighteen twenty years in how he's been able to adapt. Mm-hmm. Right? How he's been able to adapt. But the key again to Dre is he's not he doesn't yell right, but he has this. Oh, it's like a, not an arrogance about him, but you know, you kind of can look at a guy and say, you know what, when you're ready to, you know, take it to the next level and be a pro and be pretty damn good, just let me know. Yeah, because you 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 have to do A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. You it has to be a given that you want to think about technique constantly, that you want to dig into the film and find every little every little piece or every little bit of an advantage that you can find. So it's a level of professionalism, yeah. you know, and a level of uh, competitive, like you said, competitive arrogance. I think that's a way of doing it too. But as a player, you look at Dre and you think, my heavens, if, if Dre says I'm doing a good job and he likes me, well, then I've earned it. Yeah. And for our, that's a huge motivator for guys to be one of Andre Patterson's guys, to yeah. be one of his stable, to be – one of the guys that when he talks, he's proud of. You know, this guy came from no and did this, and you you want to be part of that group because it's a super ultra competitive group to be a member of. Yeah. And Dre has that. You know, he has that way about him. He has that look. He has that smile. Right. You yeah. know, and, and he's not going to yell at the young guys. He's not going to get on them and put a foot up their rear end and in those kinds of things. He's gonna he's gonna talk to them like a man. Yeah. And say when you are ready to, you know, yeah. get it to the next level, and if you want to be a part of this team and this group, then uh, let's get ready. Because yeah. I mean, how do you handle all those? Not only the size of those guys, but the egos that you have. You yeah. know, because D linemen are a different group. They're all individuals, but have to play as a team. You know, offensive linemen are just you know they're, you know, they're overweight kids that got picked on their whole <laughs> lives, and they're just happy to have each other. So they're going to stick together no matter what by right. default. Yeah, D linemen. That's kind of the secret is to get. Is how do you tell a guy? How do you tell one guy that, well, you're going to run the stunt and you know you're the penetrator and you might have to take on two and let this other guy loop and go free. So yeah, his you know he's the sack guy this week and you know unfortunately you're going to have to do the dirty work. I mean they don't like that. They they you know that's not how they operate. 
Right. Well, I, you know, Dre has talked a lot about, you know, when I'm coaching this guy, this guy cares about his legacy. He wants to be known as one of the best. Well, this guy, he wants to make a lot of money. You know, he, he's looking at his next contract. Well, you know, this guy, he wants to be known as a great teammate. So, like, he's he's paying attention to, he like, he's psychoanalyzing each player, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm sure that you you can sort of, um, you know, uh, empathize with that as, as a coach yourself, right. right? And that is a gift. That's a knack. That's a gift of personality, of how well these guys can play, and who do you give a chance to? Robert Griffith came in as a special teams guy. He ended up you know, playing in a couple Pro Bowls, he was on the couch for a year. He yeah. he spent a year not even playing, and then be working with Gary Zahner brought him back and gave him a chance. And then he, you know, then and, and Griff just took and ran with it. So you know, when you have a guy who's been cut a few times or was out of the league for a year, that guy's not going to let anything get in between him and his career. You know, he knows how lucky he is to be in the league and what he has to do to stay in this league. He'll never take that for granted, right. as opposed to maybe, let's say, a first-round draft pick. So, um, But identifying those kinds of guys that'll fit in, in a program like that, uh, in his program, is is uh, w- w- that's the talent. That's the true talent. That's the true gift, I think, that he had. Yep. You know, you'll be at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday calling the Vikings-Bills game. It's going to be halftime, and Denny Green is going to go in the ring of honor. He belongs in the ring. No no question yeah. about it. I mean, there's there's so many there's so many different angles. And I think in this day and age, um, you know, him being, an, him being an African-American head coach, only the third one in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, that says a lot. Uh, he definitely deserved it, as, he, as, he, as he's proved throughout his record. But Denny, I don't. Denny never made that part of his thing. He just wanted to be treated like any other coach, and didn't I don't think expect didn't expect anything different. Yeah. Uh, other than that, so um, for guys like us, that that's truly inspiring. That's the, to us, and that was that was just truly inspiring that a guy had had the confidence in the ad. He's like, of course, I'm coaching the NFL. It's where I deserve to be. It's where I should be. You know that right. kind of thing. Yeah. But at the same time, that never spilled over into anything else uh out there so yeah. i mean yeah he he definitely deserves to be in the ring of honor all righty well thanks for your perspective we appreciate it pete good luck friday night to you thank and you. hill murray thank you and uh, we'll see you at u.s bank stadium sunday all right see you then wabby certainly looking forward to honoring dennis green on sunday as he goes into the vikings ring of honor our thanks to pete bursich for joining us and lending us his perspective on the legend of dennis green on behalf of Skull Stories producer, Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Wabi, signing off for now. Hope you have a good rest of the week and enjoy the game on Sunday. <laughs>